breaking. One senator is trying to protect our border. Find out who. Plus, January 6th, COVID, FBI, and Arizona 2022 bombshells. It's a special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 308 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. On August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, I want to start off with what is going on in Arizona, where Carrie Lake has sued Katie Hobbs over cheating and stealing the gubernatorial election. Deborah Hine at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, has the definitive article on this. Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake, expert witness, says missized ballots that caused Election Day chaos could not have been an accident. On the first day of trial in Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake's election challenge Wednesday, her lawyers focused on the Maricopa County election equipment failures that caused chaos on Election Day and disenfranchised voters. Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson previously dismissed eight out of the ten claims Lake made in her lawsuit. In his order allowing Lake's case to go forward, Judge Thompson said that Carrie Lake would have to prove that misconduct occurred and that it resulted in identifiable lost votes affecting the outcome of the election. Lake's attorneys attempted to make that case with their bombshell revelation that a review of random ballots found that 48 out of 113, so 42.5%, were 19-inch ballots produced on 20-inch paper, causing them to be rejected. Clay Parikh, a witness who examined the defective ballots on behalf of the Lake campaign, said someone must have changed the printer configurations. He explained, these are not a bump against the printer and the settings change. There are security configurations. I've reviewed the evidence, and the printers are configured via script. 
which by any large organization that has to do multiple systems is the standard. Perry continued, it takes away the human error of somebody miscoding in the instructions on the printer. When asked whether it could not have happened by accident, Parikh said no. Is there any way, in your opinion, for a 19-inch ballot image to be projected on a 20-inch ballot by accident? No, sir. Why not? Because the settings and the configurations and the procedures that are used cannot allow that. These are not a bump against the printer and the settings change. There are security there are security configurations. I've reviewed the evidence and the printers are configured via script, which by any large organization that has to do multiple systems is a standard. This takes away the human error of somebody miscoding in the instructions either on the printer. Wow. That's pretty strong right there. I mean, I'm no attorney. I'm no court observer, but that's pretty strong. So, Carrie Lake's campaign wrote on Twitter Wednesday, this one-inch discrepancy caused chaos on Election Day, causing the mass rejection of these votes as they were attempted to be read through the tabulators. In another tweet, Carrie Lake's war room called the discrepancy deliberate sabotage. They said the machines should have been programmed for 19. By Maricopa County's own testimony, there is no such thing as a 20-inch ballot. Yet, somehow, machines in 61% of their polling centers still printed a 19-inch ballot on 20-inch paper, deliberate sabotage targeted at... Republican turnout. Wednesday night, Carrie Lake herself suggested the election was sabotaged with mutant ballots. She tweeted out, they printed mutant ballots on Election Day using a 19-inch image on 20-inch ballot paper. That's why the tabulators rejected the ballots, and that's why chaos ensued as Lake supporters flooded voting centers to cast ballots. Clowns and crooks run our elections. Hashtag Lake Trial. Hashtag Sabotage. And she retweeted a tweet from a guy named Frank Schramm, who has video embedded in his tweet, and he says, Boom, this ballot rejection is caused by fraudulently printing a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper, according to expert testimony during the Cary Lake, Maricopa County, Arizona voter fraud trial. And so now here is the actual video from the day of, the day of the election at a polling place. Which one's been working better? Which one's working better? One is as bad as the other. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, go ahead. Oh, there's a already. Oh. Keep pushing your little red. Yeah. Can I come over here now? It's never going to go through, is it? It's just good. I am pretty. 
Did you hear that right at the end? Excuse me, sir. You're not supposed to be filming in here. Why not? Sunlight's the best disinfectant, right? Here we go. You can put it in here, it'll be counted tonight. Yeah. Not supposed to be filming in here. We don't want anybody anybody have evidence of our cheating. Fascinating, isn't it? But wait. There's more. The article continues. Roving attorney Mark Sonnenklar, who took the stand as a witness for Carrie Lake, disagreed with Maricopa County's assessment that problems in 60% of Election Day voting centers were a small matter. He testified it was really pandemonium out there everywhere. Uh, and what you personally saw at those 10 vote centers? Well, it, it was really pandemonium out there um, everywhere. I, I, I was within, uh, from Fountain Hills to North Scottsdale, or where my vote centers were. I started out in Fountain Hills, and immediately, I mean, there was a line, there was a line of 150 people at Fountain Hills. Um, the tabulators were not working. And um, that was what I saw at, you know, I saw the same thing happening at uh, six of my ten vote centers. Um, There were different things happening at some of the other ones, too, but six of them in particular were really bad. Um, And and so you've you've been voting for a number of years, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how would you characterize the events of the 2022 general election compared to other elections that you witnessed? Oh, this was uh, a completely different animal here. Um, so I was a roving attorney at uh, during the primary, and there were you know some minimal problems there too. But the general election was a complete, completely different situation. Um, there were lines out the door which did not you did not see during the primary uh, at many of the vote centers. There were angry um, and frustrated voters who did not want to put their ballots into box three, um, and um, there you know it, it was just and, and and then there were the poll workers who were extremely frustrated and really didn't know what to do. Most of them, I would say, were doing their best, you know, to to figure out a solution to the fact that the tabulators were down, uh, were not reading the ballots. Um, everyone was just freaked out. All right, so that's uh, roving attorney Mark Sonnenclair. Now, when he was asked whether he had personal knowledge that the, that the printing errors could have changed the outcome of the election, Mark Sonnenklar 
replied, had there not been tabulator issues at 132 vote centers, this election would have resulted, would have ended up with Carrie Lake. And the next video is embedded in a tweet from my buddy Ben Burquam over at Real America's Voice. And it goes something, something like this. You have no personal knowledge as to whether these printing errors changed the outcome of the election, correct? I would say, you know, there's there's only 17,000 roughly votes separating the two candidates for governor. Based on what I saw uh, on Election Day, I would say there's no question in my mind that had there not been tabulator issues at 132 vote centers, this election would have resulted, would have ended up with Kerry Lake winning. Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, I'm not trying to get your hopes up. I'm just trying to report what's going on out there, okay? Next, the article says, elections investigator Heather Honey, that's her real name, testified that Maricopa County and its contractor, Runbeck Election Services, failed to follow the legal requirements for chain of custody. Ms. Honey pointed to statements given to her by various individuals, including an employee of Runbeck Election Services, who alleged that county election workers didn't include a key chain of custody document when delivering ballots from drop boxes on election night. Ms. Honey said she expressed her concern over the fact that the procedure that had been well-established during the election, had not been used for the large number of Election Day drop box ballots that were received. The investigator spoke with another woman who was an election observer at the Maricopa County Tabulation Election Center on election night when the ballots came in from the drop boxes. Ms. Honey explained her concern was that specifically the seals were being removed from the transport containers and the ballots inside were not counted. That was a requirement, as she understood it, and the fact that they were just taking those ballots out of the transport containers without counting them was her primary concern. She went on to testify they weren't following the legal requirements for chain of custody. There were seals on the containers when they transported them, but the specific issues were that they were just cutting them open, taking the ballots out, putting them in trays without regard to how many. There was no documentation. She said the county's chain of custody problems made it impossible to determine how many votes were improperly counted in the system. Here's the audio on that. Ballots were received back from the drop-off, and um, her concern was that uh, specifically the um, the seals were being removed when the um, uh, ballots were received back from the drop boxes, and um, her concern was that uh, specifically the um, the seals were being removed from the transport containers. Um, and the ballots inside were not counted. 
she, you know, that was a requirement as she understood it. And the fact that they were just taking those ballots out of the transport containers without counting them um, was was her primary concern. And then, okay, so we have two different people you have spoken to working in two different places, correct? Correct. One's here at Runbeck, the third-party vendor, and one's here at McTech, right? MCTech? Mm-hmm. All right. And both of them are both telling you that there is no chain of custody on Election Day for ballots being transported from MCTech to Runbeck. Is that correct? Correct. They weren't following the, the legal requirements for chain of custody. So there were seals on the containers um, when they transported them, but the, the specific issues were that they were just cutting them open, taking the ballots out, putting them in trays without regard to how many, or, and there was no documentation. Um, there were handbags and purses um, where they were processing the, um, the, the ballots. Wow. Okay, next, the same woman, Heather Honey, investigator and supply chain expert with over 30 years of experience, sends Katie Hobbs' hack defense lawyer packing after she answers his, answers his loaded legal question in what appears to be an attempt to intimidate her. Oh, my goodness. This is a thing of beauty right here. You're not an attorney, correct? Okay. So I'm going to ask you a legal question, but you only have to answer if you have an understanding about it. If you don't have an understanding, it's perfectly fine to say, I don't know. Um, Are you aware that under Arizona law, a ballot is not not actually unlawful if it is... Uh, the term that you use sometimes is harvested or ballot collection. But if somebody who is not authorized to handle it deposits it, deposits it, or like what happened at Runback, if somebody brings it and inserts it into the stream, but not into an, a designated authorized drop box, are you aware that under Arizona law that is not actually an unlawful ballot? I think the, the term in the law is an invalid ballot. Okay. Um, just one minute, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. No more questions. Thank you very much, Miss Honey. Oh, she just she just took his head off. I like to report a murder. He did not see that coming. See, look, I'm I'm not a lawyer. Never had any uh, law classes, but I've talked to a lot of lawyers, okay? And one of the things that they pretty much all agree on is that uh, you never, ever ask a question in open court of the opposing side if you don't know what the answer is going to be. Okay? So this guy was sure. He had her dead to rights. So he was going to make a monkey out of her. And instead, 
she made a monkey out of him. So uh, that was a thing of beauty. I thought that was fantastic. And I'm thrilled to be able to share it with you. Now, the judge, like I say, threw out eight of Carrie Lake's ten um, charges. He only let her go to court with two and only letting her and her lawyers have two days to do the trial. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. I mean, I get it that uh, the governor is supposed to be sworn in on January 2nd, but last I checked, that's still a couple of weeks away. Now, we still have for you the one senator who is trying to stop the $1.7 trillion spending bill and protect the border. And we still have for you bombshells, breaking news about January 6th, the Wu flu, FBI. I mean, there there's a lot to talk about today. So don't go anywhere. I have some breaking news, some bombshells that you, uh, you may not hear anywhere else. But that's, that's what we do on the Doc Washman Show. All right, now, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. You buy it online, they'll drive it to you, no matter where you live. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental United States of America, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. Now, we are so excited to have Mike Lindell and MyPillow as the newest sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins right now, and I had no idea that slippers could feel this good. I mean, they're like moccasins. You can wear them outside. I wear them all over the place. And we love our MyPillow towel set. They're so luxurious. 
And we can't wait to get our actual My Pillows, which are guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you all ever own. Mike Lindell also has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more over at his website, mystore.com. Right now, you can save up to 50% on Giza Dream Sheet sets. Get them for as little as $29.99 by using the promo code DWS. Save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. And right now, Get a six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $44.98 just by using promo code DWS. We are honored to be affiliated with a great American patriot like Mike Lindell. Now, some of Mike's items are marked down up to 80% off if you make sure to use promo code DWS. And remember, now that promo code DWS, that does not stand for Debbie Washerman Schultz. No, 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 no. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. In the interest of full disclosure, mypillow.com and mystore.com, you got to love them. All right, now, next, let me talk about, let me share with you what... Republicans in the House have discovered House GOP locates emails and texts showing Pelosi office directly involved in failed January 6th security. Heard about this anywhere? Again, maybe you have. I I don't have time to listen to talk radio anymore because... I'm doing show show prep around the clock for this. But this is over at justinnews.com, John Solomon's outfit. House Republicans gathered a trove of text and email messages showing Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved in the creation and editing of the Capitol security plan that failed during the January 6, 2021 riot. John, come on, bro. It wasn't really a riot. It was a police riot. You had police attacking people. Yeah, and I'm sure some of the people posing as Trump supporters were feds attacking each other, attacking police. But anyway, the January 6, 2021 event and that security officials later declared they had been denied again and again the resources needed to protect one of the nation's most important houses of democracy. The internal communications were made public Wednesday in a report compiled by Republican Representatives Rodney Davis, Jim Banks, Troy Nels, Jim Jordan, and Kelly Armstrong that encompasses the results of months of investigation they did of evidence that had been ignored by the Democrat-led January 6th committee. I got something about that Democrat-led January 6th committee in a minute, too. 
The lawmakers were authorized by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to do their own probe. The report concludes the Capitol was left vulnerable on January 6th as a result of failures by the Democrat leadership in the House and law enforcement leaders in the Capitol Police who allowed concerns about the optics of having armed officers and National Guardsmen visible to the public to override the need for enhanced security. The report concluded, and I quote, Leadership and law enforcement failures within the U.S. Capitol left the complex vulnerable on January 6, 2021. The Democrat-led investigation in the House of Representatives, however, has disregarded those institutional failings that exposed the Capitol to violence that day. Okay, well now, let's see. You got Pelosi was in charge of the House. Schumer was in charge of the Senate. No, wait a minute. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Schumer was in charge of the Senate. I wonder if they blame him too. Anyway, it also corroborated prior reporting by justthenews.com. The Capitol Police began receiving specific warnings in mid-December that there could be significant violence planned against the Capitol and lawmakers by protesters planning to attend the certification of the 2020 election results. The report noted prior to that day, the U.S. Capitol Police had obtained sufficient information from an array of channels to anticipate and prepare for the violence that occurred. And then John Solomon links to the, to the full report. He's got it embedded in his article here at justinnews.com. Congressman Banks said the Republican report helps counter a Democrat narrative that ignored security failures by police and political leadership. He said, our report exposes the partisanship, incompetence, and indifference that led to the disaster on January 6th and the leading role Speaker Pelosi and her office played in the security failure at the Capitol. Unlike the sham January 6th committee, House Republicans produced a useful report that will keep out Capitol and U.S. Capitol Police officers safe with no subpoena power and no budget. The report also does not sugarcoat the behavior of pro-Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol. Oh, really? Let's see what the report says about that. On January 6, 2021, criminal rioters assaulted police officers, broke into the U.S. Capitol, damaged property, and temporarily interfered with the certification of states' presidential and vice presidential electors at the joint session of Congress, a typically pro forma event. Well, okay, that's pretty much not true. I think we've all seen video of the Capitol Hill police holding the doors open, welcoming people in. So that would be the exact opposite of breaking into the U.S. Capitol. Criminal rioters assaulted police officers? Okay. 
how many of those were feds? Are these guys even interested? Temporarily interfered with the certification of states, presidential and vice presidential electors of the joint session of Congress. That's not true because the Capitol was evacuated of members of Congress before before the people got into the building. They were evacuated because of the pipe bombs founded from the DNC and the RNC. Ah, what a shame. What a shame. But its most explosive revelations involved text and email messages showing that two key staffers in Pelosi's office attended regular meetings to discuss the security plan for January 6th, dating back to early December 2020. And the Pelosi's top aide even edited some of the plans. Most of those discussions and meetings excluded Republican lawmakers in the House. Pardon me, Republican lawmakers in the House. The report said then-House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving who served on the Capitol Police Board by virtue of of his position, succumbed to political pressures from the office of Speaker Pelosi and House Democrat leadership leading up to January 6, 2021. He coordinated closely with the Speaker and her staff and left Republicans out of important discussions related to security. After the devastating events of January 6, when Pelosi forced Irving to resign, a staffer in the House Sergeant-at-Arms office sent a stinging email suggesting Democrat leadership had made Irving and Capitol Police Chief Steve Sund the fall guys to cover up the failure of lawmakers to provide adequate security resources. Steve Sund, didn't he die an untimely and mysterious death? Let me let me let me double check on that. Okay, if it wasn't him, it was certainly somebody Pretty close. Michael Stenger, perhaps? Okay, so Stephen Sund was the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police and was forced to resign two days after January 6, 2021. Michael Stenger was an American law enforcement officer who served as the 41st Sergeant-at-Arms of the U.S. Senate from April 16, 2018 to January 7, 2021. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, of course. Died from natural causes at home June 27, 2022. Wasn't that like the day before he was supposed to testify in Congress? I mean, I'm sure that's unrelated. I mean, you know. Hey, you don't want to get to, you know. I don't want to be like a conspiracy theorist just because it's been confirmed the CIA killed President Kennedy. Yeah, you don't want to, you know. Wait until I tell you what the FBI said in response to the Twitter files drops. Anyway, so... So the staffer who wrote the email, the staffer in the um, 
sergeant-at-arms office who wrote the email said, for the speaker's knee-jerk reaction to yesterday's unprecedented event, and God knows how Congress lives for its knee-jerk reactions and hell with future consequences, to immediately call for your resignation, talk to the Sergeant-at-Arms, Irving, after you've been denied again and again by appropriations for proper security outfitting of the Capitol, and I wrote several of those testimonies, dang it, and to blame you personally because our department was doing the best they could with what they had in our comparatively small department size and limited officer resources, and because other agencies stepped in to assist just a fraction too late, again, for Congress to demand your resignation is spectacularly unjust, unfair, and unwarranted. And a copy of the email is in the new report from the Republicans in Congress. The staffer added, this is not your fault or Steve Sun's fault, if anything, Appropriations should be hung out to dry. The GOP report directly challenges the story Pelosi gave in February 2021 that she had no power over Capitol Police or the security plan for January 6th. The report said documents provided by the House Sergeant-at-Arms show how then-House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving carried out his duties in clear deference to the Speaker, her staff, and other Democrat staff. It noted that Pelosi's Chief of Staff, Terry McCullough, and another aide assigned to Pelosi's staff, Jamie Fleet, had regular contact with police and the sergeant-at-arms over the security planning for January 6th, starting in early December 2020. At one point, McCullough was so involved, she was asked to edit a security plan letter that was going to lawmakers a few days ahead of the tragic events. The report said Irving sent the draft to McCullough and Fleet and requested any edits, comments, or concerns. McCullough responded shortly afterwards with edits. The report faults Irving for being distracted by other responsibilities and a top intelligence official for the Capitol Police for making changes to intelligence analysis that kept frontline officers from knowing the dangers they were about to face that day. The report said officers on the front lines and analysts in U.S. Capitol Police's intelligence division were undermined by the misplaced priorities of their leadership. Those problems were exacerbated by the House Sergeant-at-Arms, who was distracted from giving full attention to the threat environment prior to January 6, 2021, by several other upcoming events. Now, 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 let me just remind you, earlier this year, the head of counterterrorism, the assistant director of the FBI in charge of counterterrorism, was under oath, this bears repeating, I know I've said it before, Senator Ted Cruz asked her how many federal assets were embedded in the crowd of protesters at the Capitol, and she said, I can't answer that question. Okay. Did any federal assets commit crimes of violence on January 6, 2021 at the Capitol? I can't answer that question. Now, maybe the guys who did the Republican report for the House aren't aware of that. But uh, there should be. Now, speaking of which, Joel Pollack over Breitbart has a new article. The full records of the closed-door testimonies and other information 
gathered by the January 6th committee could remain hidden for decades thanks to its secretive nature and to laws protecting committee records. The committee, which was entirely one-sided against former President Trump after Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi took the unprecedented step of blocking minority party nominees, followed the equally problematic practice of U.S. Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat California, in conducting his impeachment investigation into Trump in a restricted room of the House Intelligence Committee, thereby controlling the flow of information. Witnesses such as Breitbart News' own Ken Klukowski, a former Trump administration attorney, complained that the committee was intentionally distorting their testimony and demanded the full record be made public. But that is unlikely, as the Los Angeles Times notes, because of several laws the committee can hide behind. L.A. Times says the final report by the House committee investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection. Oh, insurrection. They love that word. So stupid. You ever heard of an insurrection that wasn't armed? will provide the most comprehensive account yet of what led to the worst attack on the Capitol in more than 200 years. Bald-faced lie. Did I say it was a bald-faced lie? Yeah, it was a bald-faced lie. The Capitol has had bombs go off in it before. I mean, in my lifetime. So the LA Times lies. I know you're shocked. I hope you're sitting down. I, I hope, knock me over a leaf, you didn't keel over there. But it's not likely to to include all the evidence the panel collected in its 18-month investigation. Congress is not subject to the Freedom of Information Act and House rules, which lawmakers approve with each new Congress set at, at minimum two-decade timeline before the public can see records that are preserved. That means potentially millions of pages of depositions, cell phone and text records, emails, staff notes and analysis by outside organizations, compiled as part of the committee's investigation that don't make it into the official final report or aren't released before the end of the year won't become public for decades if they ever do at all. Joel Pollack, Breitbart continues by saying the committee issued subpoenas despite not having the number of required members of the opposition or a recognized ranking member of the minority party as indicated by its enabling resolution. Nevertheless, it used the threat of prosecution for contempt of Congress to pressure potential witnesses who were made to appear behind closed doors and without another side of the argument present to argue an alternative view. So like kangaroo court, you know. Notably, Speaker Pelosi herself was not called as a witness, nor was any other official who might have shed light on the weakness of Capitol Security January 6, 2021. Several members of the panel themselves had disputed the legitimacy of previous elections or challenged the certification of electoral college votes, the very activity that the committee sought to portray in its public presentations as an act of insurrection against the country. The report of the committee is expected to be released this week, but could be taken offline in the new Congress, just as 
Joe Biden took the 1776 commission report offline within hours of taking office in 2021. That's the great Joel Pollack over at Breitbart. But, but so, so I got to share something with you. I got some, uh, I got some audio I got to share with you here. Simone Sanders, longtime uh, Democrat Party hack, with Chairman of the January Sixth Committee Benny Thompson, liberal Democrat Congressman out of Mississippi, on MSNBC. Now, remember when you listen to this that Benny Thompson himself challenged electors in 2004 on the House floor during certification of the Electoral College votes from the state of Ohio. Benny Thompson challenged those electors on the House floor year 2004 over the uh, voting machines um, made by Diebold. Just remember that now. When you hear Benny Thompson saying the people that challenge electors now are, are some kind of traitors or something. Other referrals, not related to the Justice Department, but you made referrals of four members of Congress, the committee did, to the Ethics Committee. Separately, though, I did not, um, I, I have not seen, and maybe there's some, 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 you can illuminate some of this for us, recommendations about the members of Congress that we know aided and abetted in some way, shape, or form um, the insurrection or the plot to uh, disrupt the peaceful transition of, of, of power. On the, on the Ethics Committee referrals, have you reached out to the Ethics Committee about what their process is going to be, what happens uh, come January, Republicans are in charge, and then for these other members of Congress, should they too not be held accountable? After the Civil War, members of the United States Senate who sided with the Confederacy, they were expelled by their colleagues. Well, yeah, and, and obviously uh, that was called the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, where uh, individuals came forth uh, and, and and passed that law so that you couldn't be intimidated. Oh, okay. So what they're saying there is people who challenged any of the electors in the election that was stolen from Trump and all of us in 2020 are like people on the wrong side of the Civil War. Uh, They're saying that you are traitors to your country, even though Benny Thompson did the same thing in 2004 But the big difference is the people challenging the electors in 2020 actually had evidence, whereas Benny Thompson was just challenging the electors in 2004 for the same reason that Democrats 
always, always challenge electors because they don't like losing. And they're happy to cheat, to try to steal it. Know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, they challenged electors in 2016, 2004, 2000, 1988. How far back do you want me to go? Know what I'm saying, Holmes? All right, still to come. We got breaking news bombshells on the FBI and the China virus, the Wu flu. There's still plenty to talk about on the Doc Washburn show. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, I've been talking about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores are allowed to stay open. All during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, mom and pop outfits, regular folks were forced forced to close for good. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores? If you can get the items you need from a family-owned company. Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big-box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patreon influencers have come on board Switch to America. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with a woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages for way too long. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Switchtoamerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to switchtoamerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys get a hold of you. Switchtoamerica.com. All right, now, I'm always honored to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? What about dizziness, vertigo? Maybe problems with your blood sugar? psoriasis, migraines. Well, the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. 
If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. Had pretty bad migraines, too. They went away and never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, problems with your blood sugar, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. All right. Let me tell you about America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, Patriot Mobile. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, also now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. If you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars, go to Corporate Woke Agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business now. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or just call 469-FREEDOM for Patriot Mobile. All right, now, what do you have still left to talk about? The one senator trying to protect our border and stop that $1.7 trillion spending bill and big breaking news bombshells on the China virus and the FBI. So, I found this interesting. Remember, I told you yesterday on our last 
episode of the Doc Washburn Show. I told you some of the crazy stuff that's in this $1.7 trillion spending bill, including a lot more money for Border Patrol, but a specific prohibition on spending any of that new money to actually secure the border. And I told you that to get past the um, the filibuster, they needed 50 Democrat votes and 10 Republican votes. Well, they got 50 Democrat votes and 20 Republican votes. And again, just so you don't forget, because you need to know in case you live in one of these states, the Republicans that voted for this monstrosity, which is just going to send inflation through the roof, and not do a thing to secure our border and give millions to Planned Parenthood all over again. Roy Blunt, Missouri, who's retiring. John Bozen, Arkansas, who's not up for re-election until 2028. Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia, not up for re-election until 2026. Susan Collins, Maine, not up for re-election until 2026. John Cornyn, Texas, not up for re-election until 2026. Tom Cotton, Arkansas, not up for re-election until 2026. Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, not up for re-election until 2026. Charles Grassley, Iowa, not up for re-election until 2028. Cindy Hyde-Smith, Mississippi, not up for re-election until 2026. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, not up for re-election until 2026. Jerry Moran, Kansas, not up for re-election until 2028. Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, not up for re-election until 2028. Rob Portman, Ohio, retiring in just mere days. Willard Mitt Romney, not up for re-election until 2024. Mike Rounds, South Dakota, not up for re-election until 2026. Little Marco Rubio, Florida, not up for re-election until 2028. Richard Shelby, Alabama, not up for, oh, he's, he's retiring. John Thune, South Dakota, not for, up for re-election until 2028. Um... Senator Tommy Tuberville, Alabama, not up for re-election until 2026. Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker, not up for re-election until 2024. And Senator Todd Young, Indiana, not up for re-election until 2028. So those are the folks who said, hey, 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 let's ignore incoming Republican leadership in the House who say, hey, guys, we just took over the House. We want to stop the $1.7 trillion spending. No, these guys all agreed with Mitch McConnell and said, no, we want to pass this now. We want, to, we want to hand the store to the Democrats before the Republicans kick Nancy Pelosi out of that speaker's chair. That's what happened. That is what happened. All right, now, who is trying – and again – Sean Davis over the Federalist, remember what he said on our last episode. Republican senators refused to send actual Americans $2,000 checks after the government destroyed their jobs and banned them from work, church, and school. But Zelensky, he gets to have $110 billion with no debate. You know, they're sending him billions more in this new $1.7 trillion bill. And Sean Davis says, 
however much you hate Washington, D.C., I promise you, it hates you way more than you hate it. So, so who's trying to help? Who is gumming up the works? I'll tell you in just a second, but, 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 one of those 20 senators, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, went out on Twitter a couple of days ago and said the right level of illegal immigration is zero. And a buddy of mine, we follow each other on Twitter, said, Republicans say, give the Democrats everything they want while getting nothing in return. And then Republicans say, wow, did you see what the Democrats are doing? Yep. All 20 of those people, not just Tom Cotton, all 20 of those people, they talk a good game. They talk a good game. Now, wait and see, Sean. We're going to get to the bottom of this, Sean. Lindsey Graham's the only one that sounds like that, but all of them may as well. Well, there's a guy named Mike Lee, senior senator out of Utah. And here's what he says out there on Twitter. Any senator who claims to care about border security should not vote for the omnibus bill, especially in the absence of language preserving Title 42. There are those in both parties who want to have it both ways. Don't let them. If you care about border security, it would be better to pass a short-term spending bill now and then allow the new Congress to tackle this problem in early 2023 with the benefit of a balanced Congress with the Democrat Senate and the Republican House of Representatives. If you care about our debt and deficit, it would be better to pass a short-term spending bill now and then allow the new Congress to tackle this problem in early 2023 with the benefit of a balanced Congress with the Democrat Senate and Republican House representatives. If you care about holding the Biden administration accountable, it'd be better to pass a short-term spending bill now and then allow the new Congress to tackle this problem in early 2023 with the benefit of a balanced Congress with the Democrat, Senate, and Republican House. If you care about the voters who just elected a GOP House, it'd be better to pass a short-term spending bill now and then allow the new Congress to tackle this problem in early 2023 with the benefit of a balanced Congress, you know, a Democrat Senate and a Republican House. If you don't want to advance the Pelosi-Schumer agenda, it would be better to pass a short-term spending bill now and then allow the new Congress to tackle this problem in early 2023, the benefit of a balanced Congress with a Democrat Senate and Republican House. You see the point he's driving at here? But then he says, in any event, no one who claims to care about border security should support the omnibus, especially in the absence of language preserving Title 42. Some Senate Democrats are contorting themselves into pretzels trying to look like they support Title 42 while doing all they can to make sure that any amendment preserving it fails. Senate Republicans must kill the omnibus 
especially absent passage of a Title 42 amendment. Yeah, he's right. Mike Lee's doing a good thing. Now, odds are, since he only represents one state in the U.S. Senate and it's the state of Utah, odds are he's not your senator. But don't you wish you had one like him? You know, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt to drop him a line. Let him know you appreciate him. Let me, uh, Jason Chaffetz was filling in for Hannity Wednesday night on Fox and Mike Lee was on his show and it went something like this. Tell us the latest. Title 42, you're trying to inject it into the omnibus. What's the latest there right in the Senate? Yeah, Jason, with this 4,155-page bill, full of Democratic priorities, does nothing to protect the border. Quite to the contrary, it contains language undermining border security. So I insisted that we have at least one amendment, up or down vote, on whether to preserve Title 42, because Title 42 is the one thing standing between us and utter chaos. We already have mostly chaos. This would bring us to utter chaos if it expires, which it's about to. All I want is an up or down vote. Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are terrified of an up or down vote. Why? Well, because they want absolute pandemonium and chaos on the border. And they're terrified of this vote because they will lose as they should lose. So I'm standing firm. I'm going to demand an up or down vote. If they don't give us the up or down vote, this is going to be very difficult for them and it probably will cost them the omnibus. Uh, Senator, why not just wait two weeks till the Calvary in the House? Uh, it changes leadership. There's no more Nancy Pelosi in two weeks. Why not do that? Yeah, J- Jason, you are absolutely right to ask that question because we should do that. This is what I've been advocating since September. I've been advocating this all month in December as well. We need to have a short-term spending bill. Stop pegging this to the holidays. Rather than setting a, a, a shutdown cliff right before Christmas Eve, we should pass a short-term spending bill taking the into January. Look, no Republican should vote to support this measure. They shouldn't be supporting this bill in the first place, especially if they won't give us an up or down vote on Title 42. Well, Senator, uh, good luck, because a lot is riding on this. Amen. A lot is riding on it. I mean, the border's wide open. But apparently, it gets even worse if you get rid of Title 42. Gets even worse. So that's um, that's really messed up. But I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, Biden and whoever is pulling his strings, they want to turn us into Venezuela. They want to turn us into Zimbabwe. I mean, they're just, there's just no way around it. So, 
We've got uh, we got some stuff about the Wu flu, about the China virus. The Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H, Epoch Times, has an article exclusive, Why Spike Protein Causes Abnormal Blood Clots, 200 Symptoms. In this two-part paper, we aim to give an overview on COVID-19-related abnormal blood clots, how they form, how to detect them early, and how they're being treated. And so you're going to want to look at that. I, I don't have time to share the whole thing with you, but they have vials with all these two and three feet long blood clots are getting out of bodies they have to embalm. And it kind of reminds me of the Died Suddenly uh, documentary that's out there on Rumble. Um, now, if you get to the epochtimes.com and it wants you to log in, it doesn't cost you a penny. They just want you to register with them. That's all. Uh, but I do have a little bit of audio on the Epic Times expose on COVID goes something like this. Starting around the middle of last year, the middle of 2021, reports of these unusually long blood clots began to pop up across the entire world. You can see from the pictures that these are thick, twisted, rubbery clots that are sometimes several feet long. Here is, for instance, what a funeral director over in Alabama told us here at the Epic Times. Quote, we as embalmers are seeing some strange clots since the COVID outbreak. These clots are very rubbery feeling and very long as they exit the veins that we use during the embalming procedure. They really appear to be like earth worms. I have never seen this in my career until now. Likewise, another funeral director who has been in the business for over 21 years told us this, quote, prior to COVID, perhaps 5 to 10% of people had these clots. Now, more than half of the bodies I see have them. So what is going on here? What is causing these blood clots? Well, that's not exactly clear. However, I will tell you that almost all the embalmers we spoke with asked us to keep their identities private. What are they so afraid of? Leave your thoughts in the comments and subscribe for more. Okay, now, um, it's with a heavy heart that I announce the untimely passing of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers' great Franco Harris, the guy known for the most iconic play in the history of NFL football, what they called the Immaculate Reception. He passed away three days before they were going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, the uh, the ball that bounced off one guy, and he grabbed it right before it hit the ground and ran in for a touchdown. It was craziness in 1972. Franco Harris. So uh, here was a... Uh, a TV report from Pittsburgh last year featuring retired Pittsburgh Steeler greats Mel Blunt and Franco Harris. Local community leaders and some Steeler legends are pushing for people in the black community to get the COVID vaccine, and they urge the use of a site right in the heart of the city's Hill District. Chris Hoffman found out today that site, that site is being underused. Chris. So that was last year when he got the vaccine. Who knows, maybe he just got a booster recently. Sometimes people die shortly after they get the vaccine. Sometimes they hang around and die after they get the booster. I don't know. So here's a here's the young guy, the reporter, 
for a KDKA television in Pit- Pittsburgh last year. Ken, the Central Baptist Church here on Wiley Avenue. Bless his heart. He's wearing a mask on his face outdoors with nobody else around to do his report. Bless his heart. That's what we say in the South when we're just kind of shaking our heads like, really? Has the capacity to do about 250 shots a day. It's been doing these shots for the past couple weeks, but the pastor here says they haven't been able to reach that full capacity quite yet. Black Political Empowerment Project President Tim Stevens is pushing for more African Americans to roll up their sleeves, just like Steelers legends Franco Harris and Mel Blunt. We want to protect our families, our friends, and the community at large. The most important part of this game plan is to get vaccinated. There he is, Franco Harris. The group is spreading their message outside the Central Baptist Church on Wiley Avenue. Reverend Victor Gringsby says more people need to take advantage of the clinic in his church. He says it's currently not reaching its full potential. But we're trying to get to 250, and we have been close to about 200 shots in one day. But um, we are trying to increase the numbers. He says the average is about 100 people a day, far less than its full capacity. Let's not... Live in our fears. Let's live in our possibilities. Urban League President Esther Bush has a friend who says she lost two family members to COVID-19, and they refused to get a vaccination. It is so critical that we do everything we can do to save a life. She knows her community has been victimized by the medical field in the past, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine pause may have people skeptical. But she has the faith that her shots will protect her. I am not saying science is perfect. We know that it is not. But it is working. Their goal is to make sure you can enjoy more time with your family and friends. The most important part, though, is that you can be around them for years to come. Franco Harris really thought he would be around them for years to come. And this woman says it's working. I wonder if she is so in the bubble that she still thinks it's working. Could be. I mean, I still see people wear masks by themselves in their cars, so. So this clinic runs Monday through Friday, 1 to 6 in the evening. On Saturday, it's 8 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. Now, an appointment is recommended, but we did see people that were walk-ins, and they were being accepted. Live in the Hill District this evening, Chris Hoffman, KDKA News. So, um, I remember Hank Aaron. Remember Hank Aaron? Got the vax and was talking about how uh, how important it was for black folk to take the jab. Less than two weeks later, he was dead. I'm told the people who know him think it was vaccine-related. So I looked up Frank O'Harris in Wikipedia, and as soon as somebody famous dies, they've got information about that. They have uh, footnotes to media accounts. Harris died at his home in Sewickley, Pennsylvania, December 20th, 2022, the age of 72. Died three days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. His death was considered sudden 
as he had been active on social media just days before his death and had actually spoken to visitors at the Heinz History Center the day before his death. He was set to attend a ceremony at halftime during his Steelers game against the Las Vegas Raiders this Saturday, December 24th, to retire his jersey number. The timing of his death was compared to that of Pittsburgh Pirates legend Willie Stargell, who died on the same day as the official opening of the PNC Park in 2001 and only two days following the unveiling of a bronze statue of Stargell at the park. Immediately after his unexpected death, tributes began pouring in. Terry Bradshaw, who had found out about Franco Harris's death from his wife after seeing a text message from Mel Blunt, had just seen Franco Harris two weeks before filming material related to the Immaculate Reception's anniversary and was said to be in a state of shock. Terry Bradshaw went on to say about Franco Harris that as a teammate, he was just the best. Terry Bradshaw. Now, have you ever said something you regretted? I know I have. Have you ever said something that you deeply regretted and you had to go back and apologize? I know I have. I wonder I wonder if Terry Bradshaw regrets going on television and saying what he said about Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who didn't want to get vaccinated. I'd give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he'd have just come to the Naval Academy and learn how to be honest. Yeah. Learn, learn not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. Understand, immunized. What you were doing was taking stuff that would keep you from getting COVID nineteen. You got COVID nineteen. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks. That's what it is. We are a divided nation politically. We're a divided nation on the COVID nineteen, whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. And I'm extremely disappointed in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. Ivermectin is not just a cattle dewormer. Ivermectin, the developers of Ivermectin, nine or ten years ago, won the Nobel Prize for medicine for the millions of humans that have taken the pill form. I wonder if Terry Bradshaw is still as smug now that he's lost his close friend as he was then. I wonder if he's still as smug in his ignorance as he was then. You know? He wanted an apology from Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if uh, in the fullness of time it has occurred to him that perhaps he needs to apologize. 
I mean, you know, I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to fool people than it is to persuade them that they've been fooled. And that's just not regular folks like you and me. That includes former NFL quarterbacks that make millions shooting their mouth off on things they don't know anything about on television, too. So I'll be watching. I'll be watching to see if old Terry says anything. If he has any second thoughts. You know, it's a good thing to admit when you're wrong, Terry. It's a good thing to apologize when that's the appropriate thing to do. It's a good thing to humble yourself when that's the appropriate thing to do. It's it's in the Bible. So um I want to get to the FBI. Now I've been keeping you up to date about the Twitter files when the Twitter files drop. And the FBI finally decided to have a response to the Twitter files. And so when it was breaking news, who better than Sandra Smith over Fox News Channel to report on it? We are getting our first response from the FBI to the Twitter file dumps. The statement reads, the correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional long-standing and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. That, Justin. And then John Roberts said, duly noted. I wonder if she read any of the Twitter files or if she just reads stuff off a teleprompter newsreader. I know she was really excited when they called the election for Joe Biden. Three and a half days after Election Day in 2020. I want to go again to the great Sean Davis over the Federalist. He says the FBI is a corrupt trash organization that rigs elections, it cannot be saved and should no longer exist. The FBI peddled the bogus Steele dossier in 2016 to get illegal warrants to spy on Trump, and then it peddled lies to censor reporting about Hunter Biden in 2020. Then Sean Davis said, the greatest immediate threat to your freedoms as an American is not Russia, or China, or the Taliban, it is the FBI. True. 
True. And it's just outrageous. Now, I think uh, I think the great Molly Hemingway also had something to say about the FBI. See if I can find it here. Well, first of all, Stephen Horn, the guy working on the January 6th documentary, says conspiracy theorist is literally a term invented by the CIA to discredit anyone who had an issue with the shady operations they were getting up to. Miranda Davis, New York Post reporter, who wrote the story in the Hunter Biden laptop that dropped October 14, 2020, that the FBI ordered Twitter and Facebook and everybody else to sit on, she said brazen gaslighting. They don't even bother to try to explain. Just claim factual revelations are conspiracy theories. These are among the gravest allegations of corruption in FBI history, and they don't care. If you had any doubt that Christopher Ray is unworthy, right? So what was it? Um, what was it uh, Solzhenitsyn used to say? Uh, the Bradford file says, "LOL." The FBI claims Elon Musk is a conspiracy theorist for releasing actual documents showing the FBI interfered in a presidential election. Molly Hemingway says, FBI completely unrepentant about their meddling in multiple U.S. elections and work against Americans' constitutionally protected freedom of speech. And why not? Mitch McConnell just upped their budget as a reward for what they've done. Eliza Blue, who I follow on Twitter, quoting Alexander Solzhenitsyn, We know they're lying. They know they're lying. They know that we know they are lying. We know that they know that we know they are lying, and and yet they still continue to lie. Now, Elon Musk, back on December 9th, said, with rare exception, the FBI seems to want to do the right thing, but there is no question that Twitter operated as a Democrat Party activist machine. And yet we look at headlines, don't we? Here's one. Did you know the Anti-Defamation League trains every new FBI agent on their role as protectors of the American people and the Constitution? Here's another one. Law school student interrogated by FBI expelled over it's okay to be white flyers. Here's another one. Documents reveal that parents who objected to critical race theory were targeted as domestic terrorists by the FBI. Here's another one. Busted inside the FBI leadership efforts to vilify white Americans by padding domestic terrorism statistics. Here's another one. Whistleblowers claim FBI is trying to find white supremacy even when it's not there. That was over the blaze.com. So I'm fit to call somebody who appears regularly on Fox News a name. Geraldo Rivera on Twitter says, gut check. 
the hard right members who didn't stand or applaud Zelensky, the most legitimate hero to address Congress in decades, reveal their inner smallness. Okay, Raul Rivera is either painfully ignorant or a fascist. I mean, painfully ignorant. Zelensky has outlawed all opposition political parties. He's outlawed opposition media. He's now outlawed a major Christian denomination, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Um, and they let this reprobate, this heathen, speak to the joint session of Congress? And Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be Republican Speaker of the House, wore a little Ukraine flag lapel pin and a Ukraine handkerchief in his jacket pocket? Really? That's what's up? I mean, uh, Tulsi Gabbard was on with Tucker. You see uh, no freedom of the press. He has shut down any media that he does not control, his government does not control. He has gotten political opposition uh, arrested, made sure that that's happened. As you mentioned, he shut down the biggest Ukraine church uh, in the country. And and I found this quote today. He has actually threatened to punish, quote, any Christian caught worshiping in unapproved ways. So this is the democracy that they are saying, well, we need all of your money, our money, taxpayer dollars to go and defend. This is their shining example of democracy. It's no surprise then, when we look at what's happening here at home, Tucker, and it's no surprise how we see the political and power elite so easily and willing to undermine our own democracy, undermine our own freedoms, abusing their power to achieve their own political interests because they look to Zelensky's democracy and they see a reflection and opportunity for themselves. I just don't understand how members of Congress could know that this guy is resting Christian priests seizing churches, banning an entire denomination and not some, it's not Scientology. This is like an ancient denomination. How can they endorse that? I don't understand. And they're Americans? Like, what is this? I think it shows a pure dereliction of duty, frankly, on so many of these members of Congress from both parties who are so hooked into and controlled by the war machine in Washington, the military industrial complex, that they will sit there. You know, they they took a pledge to uphold our Constitution, to support and defend the safety, security and freedom of the American people. And yet they're just sitting there clapping and cheering on this guy who uses fancy words like democracy and freedom and aren't looking at the facts of what's really going on and have no idea where our taxpayer dollars are going. And as you said, could not define what is our objective that serves the interests of the American people. It's it's scary how irrational it is. It, it actually really yeah. worries me. I appreciate your coming in. Congressman Tulsi Gabbard, thank you. Thanks, Tucker. Yeah. When a former liberal Democrat makes more sense than most Republicans in Congress, we got a problem. Here's a Republican member of Congress who makes sense, Lauren Boebert, Colorado. Hey, everyone. I just finished attending the address by President Zelensky, and we're going to have votes here at the Capitol for the next four hours or so. Here's what was clear from tonight. The people of Ukraine are suffering. The war is deadly and horrific, and the carnage has not stopped. Sadly, what I didn't hear tonight was a clear explanation of where the first $50 billion we sent to support their efforts went. 
until Congress receives a full audit on where our money has already gone, I will not support sending additional money to this war. President Zelensky is working to protect his country, his border, and his people. I get it. I really just wish our commander-in-chief would do the same right here at home and secure our southern border and protect our people. Hey, there's an idea. But Mitch McConnell doesn't want that any more than Joe Biden wants it. That's why he's pushing for what he's pushing. So um, Monica Crowley and Colonel Kurt Schlichter were on the Ingram angle talking about this monstrosity. You know, it's absolutely incredible. The United States of America is being invaded every single day, and the Union Party just shrugs it off. But Ukraine gets invaded, and you know what they get from the Union Party? They get north of $100 billion so far over the last nine months, and they get their leader with an address to a joint session of Congress as if he's the American president. It does show you where the Union Party's priorities lie. Ukraine is a notoriously corrupt country, It has been for a very long time. And what we have seen over the last nine months is that the globalist elites have been using this conflict as a massive money laundering operation. That's not to say you can't admire the Ukrainian people's resilience and courage in fighting back against the invading Russian forces. But what has happened is that this has turned into a giant slush fund using our money when we have so many problems here at home that deserve our attention and our resources, not least of all, our southern border. You know, the the Union Party, and that includes a number of significant Republicans, refused to approve $5 billion to enforce our border, right, to prevent our own invasion. And yet they have no problem waving through about $130 billion for Ukraine. This is an absolute outrage. Biden and this administration, by the way, this president is also compromised by Ukraine because you know, his son with zero qualifications was the the channel, the conduit for tens of billions of dollars going into the Biden family via Ukraine. So all of this is not in the interests of the United States. His uh, Zelensky's interests are not our interests. His fight is not our fight. So you can say you admire their courage, but at the same time, you do not need to be granting every single request from this man. And and risking war with Russia. It's, it's, It's insanity. But Kurt, as U.S. taxpayer dollars flow to Ukraine, there's growing concern that the war will drag on indefinitely and take a watch. Russia can do this for years. Uh, it's selling oil, it's selling gas to China, India, and other countries. Putin controls uh, uh, the political narrative for the most part within his country. He can play this the long game. And I think, again, the real question is whether we can play the long game. And I think, uh, I think the good news is we can. And so, Kurt, how long can we afford to play this game? Well, look, I, look, I'm just a simple retired Army colonel with a graduate degree from the Army War College where we learned about trying to set objectives. What is the end state we're after here? What are we trying to do? What's our strategy? Is it to just write check after check after check? I don't know. I'd like to hear a debate. But every time we start debating this, it becomes you love Putin, something I particularly love since I shivered in the cold of West Germany when I was over there during the Cold War, and I went over and trained Ukrainian soldiers four times before I retired. So, you know, 
don't know what the heck we're doing. I admire the Ukrainian people. Their country got invaded. They're fighting back. I think a case could be made that's an American interest to assist them in fighting back. But no one's making that case. Much like the omnibus, we're supposed to just shut up and take it. And I think the American people are tired of that. You know, Monica, I think we have the right to ask questions here. I mean, the fact is that America spends more money than everyone else combined on this war. We should go, why isn't Europe paying more? Or don't we deserve transparency? We should see how this money is being spent, what uses it's going to. Is it being wasted? And we're not provided any of that transparency. That's right. And there's no accountability for our tax money, hard-earned, going into this conflict. A couple of months ago, Sean and Kurt, there was reporting done by a major network saying there is no, we can't trace the weapons that we're sending there. And the weapons that we can trace are not making it to the front lines. They're not getting to where the, the weapons need to go. So where are these weapons going? Where is all of this money going? Again, this is a giant black hole in Ukraine. It is a money laundering operation. So, of course, it is in the interests of this administration, which is compromised with regard to Ukraine. Yeah. And it's in the interests of the national security state to keep this conflict going. They profit off of this politically and economically. And so it's in everybody's interest to keep the conflict going. That's why the administration has not tried to broker some sort of diplomatic peace. It's messed up, y'all. It is messed up. But what we do here on the Doc Washburn Show is to try to bring you these inconvenient truths. Truths that um, you're probably not hearing anywhere else. So, that having been said, it's time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's Tweet of the Day is from Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky. He says, $100 billion to Ukraine. Let's put that into perspective. That's more than $200 million this year from each congressional district in the United States. What could your congressman have done for your district with $200 million? How long will the kids in your district be paying interest on this debt? Good question. Thank you, Mitch Ward and Red River Your Way for sponsoring today's Tweet of the Day on the Doc Washburn Show. You've been listening to Episode 308 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. Well, that's the way it is, Wednesday, December 21st, 2022.